Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, I Can Do Nothing Except the Father Show Me. It shall be focused on a study of 1 Kings chapter 18. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, which you have spoken to us. We see here, Lord, Elijah at Mount Carmel, the showdown, where, Lord, you had sent him with a word of what to perform, Lord, to bring the hearts of the people back to you. And Lord, as he was going about his his duties, Lord, and his prayer was according to this fashion, it says, Lord God, let it be known that you are the God of Israel and that you have turned the hearts of these people back to you and that I am thy servant and that I have done everything according to your word. Father, may that be a testimony of us in our lives too, that we have done everything according to your word. Help us, Father, to be humble and to believe you for anything and to be as bold as your servant Elijah was. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 1 Kings chapter 18. Chapter 18 Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places, and brake the images, and cut down the groves, and brake in pieces the brass and serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord, and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. And he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. He smote the Philistines, even unto Gaza and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years they took it. Even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel unto Assyria, and put them in Hala and in Habor, by the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant, and all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded, and would not hear them, nor do them. Now in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah, and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria, to Lachish, saying, I have offended. Return from me 
that which thou puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah king of Judah three hundred talents of silver and thirty talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. At that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah king of Judah had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshakeh from Lachish to king Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is in the highway of the fuller's field. And when they had called to the king, they came out to them Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah. Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now, behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt unto all that trust on him. But if ye say unto me, We trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away and hath said to Judah and Jerusalem, Ye shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now therefore I pray thee, give pledges to my lord the king of Assyria, and I will deliver thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants, and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Then said Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and Shebna, and Joah, unto Rabshakeh, Speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it and talk not with us in the Jews' language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master, and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language, and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me. And then eat ye every man of his own vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his cistern. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, olive, and of honey, that ye may live and not die, and hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuadeth you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. 
Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of mine hand? But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, At Thy Word. This was preached in 1951 on September the 28th. We'll begin at paragraph 12 up to paragraph 49. I trust you find it to be a blessing. He is so wonderful. And one of the prophets just, he called him the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Counselor. And he said he's just wonderful. His heart just got so full of joy when he saw him, he could only say, he's wonderful. Now, just a little testimony. I will pick up tonight in our journey overseas as I left off last night with the healing of Miss Nightingale. I just wonder how much impact her testimony has in South Africa when we get there. Such a noted person. She's the great granddaughter of the founder of the Red Cross and a noted woman. And now Ever since the hour I believe my feet touched the foreign sorrow, the Holy Spirit never left me. It was constantly there, speaking even things. We'd go downtown together, Ernstovic and Gothenburg and many of the places in Sweden and, and Finland. And no sooner we'd get downtown, the Holy Spirit would come down and say, Now, for instance, one day Brother Lindsay and I were sitting there and some of us talking. And I said, Brother Lindsay, on the road back, we're going to see two ladies. They'll come out dressed in black, and they'll walk out on this side of the street. And they're going to come over holding their hands out like that. They want to know what's wrong with them. I said, we won't be able. He said, is that? I said, yes, that'll happen just before we get in. We've been gone about 20 minutes, and here come the ladies dressed in black. And we, I, he said, well, uh, Brother Brandon, that's certainly amazing. I said, well, just in a, a little bit from now, I said, there's going to be a man with a blue suit on a white hat going to come down the stairs step to our left and he's going to try to get me to go up and pray for his wife, which is laying sick. Well, we went up about three squares and turned to the left and started down. Here come the man now with a blue suit on a white hat. And, oh, my God. And now it's just something materializes in front of you. It speaks here at the platform. It speaks wherever God desires it to speak. I have no control of it. I remember I spoke this before I went over, right in the same pulpit, I believe. That when I would, the first that came to me, I was on a train. It's at my mother's house. was going to Miami, Florida. I have a meeting there in a tent. I was going to help out this uh, back about three years ago, I guess, something like that. A minister was there holding a tent meeting. I went to stay with him for two nights. And on 
the road down I had a vision of a little boy uh, watch your Bible you know, a little boy that would be about eight years old and the little boy would uh, have a boy a little bob like hair and dressed very poorly and his little go to have an accident his little foot would be run through his sock he had on very odd dressed child I said he'd be killed in an accident and he'll be laying by the side of the road dead when I find him but the Lord God is going to give him his life back again and I made that statement at the platform before about 7,000 people that night and the next night before I could get in they wouldn't let me come in I believe brother Bosworth is there at the time you remember the case and um, so they Brother Bosworth was amazed. I seen a man get thrown by a horse in the meeting that night, and it broke in his arm. He's back over in the meeting, and I said, uh, uh, "There sits the man right back there now with a white shirt on." I said, "Stand up, sir, and stretch forth your arm for Jesus Christ has healed him." Out on his arm, <laughs> he was healed, and Brother Bosworth was so amazed. I remember that was his first time I believe I've ever seen that like that. So the a little boy got drowned at about four or five years old and the father wouldn't permit the undertaker to take him until he'd been in the meeting the night before and thought that that was, might be his little son. So they met me out there and he was screaming and going on. So some of the ministers said, we can't take him over there. But I said, let's go over and look at the little boy. Perhaps it is. And I said, I think this little boy must have been hit by an automobile because he's so mashed up. But I said, however, I'll be glad to go look at the little fellow. We went back out into the big, some kind of a park there where some duchess or something let them have the place to put the, the tent up. And so then I went back over there and there's a little black-headed boy, very nicely dressed. It, I said, no, that isn't the little lad because this little boy's got brown hair and he's, a, he's a, kind of a good-sized boy, about eight or nine years old pretty good boy and I said this little boy isn't dressed or he doesn't look like the child and I said it's a rocky country there's a lot of cedar trees I said it isn't uh, and pines I said it isn't this country it isn't positionally lame it just has to be exactly the way it shows and um, I said it isn't just exactly right now and that's the major and the real way that God wants to operate this now this is just his permissive will this way it's just when I come here and pray and cry and beg to him before coming until that is laying so close that forces into it. And you see the vision and it'll cut off. But when it comes upon God's this perfect will, it just moves down and sometimes I'm out for about two hours. You see this. And he sends me different parts of the country and different places. That's just every time perfect. And here, it might call diseases and so forth, and it might see what's wrong with the people and maybe what's going to happen, but it takes constant pressing or yielding to the Spirit to go into it. And maybe it'll just drop in that and drop out. Drop in, drop out. It'll cut off. You've noticed it like that. It'll go and speak for a few minutes and drop out. If I keep on talking to the patient, it'll drop in again maybe come out. But when he takes me in there, it, I just stay in there so it's over. My wife's sitting present now, and you know sometimes you're out maybe for two hours. Not a bit of breath, you can't, your heart's beating, but no breath. And it's when you become into another, another world. Now, so I offered prayer for the little lad and went on. And then on my, we went on services, we got to 
up and Mrs. Florence Nightingale had been healed and we went on into Finland, uh, Helsinki, and went up to Corpio that night. And we'd had a, uh, about two services at Corpio or three. My, the place, the people, the Laplanders and all that packed in there. And the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord, if it would come down, it would move. There'd be an interpreter standing here and just move out there upon the people. And I'd say, I see a woman stand up with a certain, certain thing and what she's done and where she's been and so forth like that. I didn't even know their language. And then when it would drop out, the interpreter would be speaking. I'd say, is that lady? And she would raise, screaming with her hands up like that. And people would just throw their crutches away, raise up out of the chairs. And it was God for them. And they just, they just worshiped right in with the Spirit, and they received. Why, one night there, they just piled up crutches and things to try to hold them around me from the hole like this. They want to take a picture of it. Some old canes and clubs and everything that they've been walking with. Then, I remember I'd been fasting. It was just like tonight. Uh, Fridays is the fast day. has been for me for a long time. Then I was up on the Colpio, uh, up at the tower. I forget the name of the tower, and they were all up there singing, "All oh, them poor little sins." It's such a pathetic uh, thing there. Those Russians just beat them down and cursed them, and and uh, we went up there on a little old train. As honest, it was pathetic. They burnt wood instead of coal, and and if you ladies here in New York had to dress the way those poor women do over there. It would certainly take some of the prestige out of it. See them young ladies, big boots on, dresses that thick and everything. There's no foolishness about them. Everything, even their songs are in mind. Everything, everything they get, they have to trust God for. And they're honest and good and sweet and kind. And they see God moving like that, their hearts are just melting them. And they just throw up their hands and holler, Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Like, you know, just with their, uh, just scream out. And I will never forget, it was in the tower and they were singing on Golgotha. There was an Englishman from England down there. He was drinking. When we went down, we led him to Christ. He got so stricken by the song and was trying to lead him to Christ. Then I said to, to the brethren that was with me, my manager, I said, something's fixing to happen. I could just tell there was something, the Holy Spirit trying to condition you, you see. Watch how far man in himself can get away. I said, something's fixing to happen. I don't know what it is. And after this vision of the little boy, I guess it's wrote in 10,000 Bibles right now. I told him, I said, write it in your Bible. Find out if it isn't right. Somewhere that little boy is going to be raised. And I promised him there that night as it did other places, it'll be in the Voice of Healing, the magazine, Brother Lindsay's magazine, when it comes out. See if it doesn't happen and the boy isn't just that way. I don't know where it's going to be, but he prepared me and showed me a vision not to weary when this comes, to walk out there. Well, it was almost two years since the vision. Well, as I was coming down the hill, we noticed way ahead of us is a crowd of people on the road. A car had struck two little boys. And there's not many cars in Finland. I imagine it was a 35 model Ford, probably sold for about $2,500. And um, gasoline, about a dollar and a half a gallon, I suppose, would be here. So without any money, you know how, how scarce, they go their taxi cabs, a horse-driven. And so some other brethren was coming down in cabs. We had the pictures of it all in photochrome colors. And then when I looked down there, and a car, a, a model 
a V8, 35 model V8, green, two-door sedan, old, shabby-looking car. Uh, two little boys was running across the road coming from school. And they got there, and this car was driving at a terrific speed, about 60 or 70 miles an hour coming. And the little boys got excited, and one started one way and one the other. And the driver whirled his car like this to miss one little boy. And when he did, he struck the one to the left, right to the chin, and just picked him up and threw him against the side of the curb and slammed up against the tree and concussed his little brain. And, and the other one hit him right solid like that, run over him, mashed him up under the wheel, and the wheels were spinning so fast and the driver lost control like, he, like that. Well, he lost control and the car jumped up over some rocks and went way down through the field and wrecked down into a pile of rocks down there. And it run over the little boy and the wheel was spinning so much so he kicked his little body way up in the air like that and he just plumped when he fell down. Well, they laid him out there and he was dead and they put the coats over him and things. And we come by, we couldn't get into the crowd because across the road there was hundreds of people had gathered out there. And one of the chief men, I don't know, something like a mayor of the city or something, was there. And so as soon as they come up, Mrs. Isaacson, she was a American born Finnish woman who was given the interpretation. Many of you might know Mrs. Isaacson, or someone who knows her. And um, how many know Mrs. Isaacson in here? Now, see, that's very fine. Several of you know her. Well, she was the interpreter at, at the meeting. And she was my, she wrote me a letter not long ago that here's your voice to Finland. <laughs> a very fine lady. And so she said, Brother Brand said that. The crowd just now said, there's that miracle worker from America. Let's see what he'll do about this. See just how carnal the people's minds can get like that. So they went over there and they come back crying. And Brother Lindsay went over and I've never seen a poor brother cry so in my life as he come back just a weeping. And I said, what's the matter, Brother Lindsay? He said, oh, Brother Brandon. He said, don't look at it. He said, it's the most pathetic thing. The little boy just crushed the pieces. And he had our own little boy in America, and I had my own Billy Paul sitting here, and I, my little boy. I didn't want to look at him. Brother Moore come back crying. Uh, Miss I said, you ought to see him, Brother Ben. All I thought of them brothers and their children at home, and we've been over there quite a little bit. I thought, of course, I was homesick. I love my family like any other man loves their family. I'm leaving right now the sweetest little thing, a little girl baby six months old and she is grooming at me the other day I tell you my heart was full apart nearly she won't know me when I get back but God will fix some way for us <laughs> he has and my little Rebecca sitting up there now looking down at me and my she won't even go to sleep at night like she's laying on my arm and I, I'm a temperamental person and I, I love my wife and family and it's hard, but Jesus said, Who will not forsake his own and follow after me? He's not worthy to be called my disciple. I don't have very much to offer him. That's such a little sacrifice, and I think of his great redeeming love. But I'm all that I've got, I happily give it to him, that's all. But no matter what we'd ever do, I know we'd never be worthy to be called his disciple. But if I knock on the door that day when I leave this earth, if he just let me in, I'll be well paid for him. And I went over to look at the little fella, and oh my, I've never seen such a sight, that poor little fella there, his mouth open, his tongue hanging out, and his little eyes set back, his little hands like that, and his foot pulled through that soft and little panty waist on like we used to wear when we were little children, and, and, and his all foot through that sock, poorly dressed, and there he laid there, and his little mouth open. 
I took up his little pulse and it was gone. And I put my hand on his heart, it was gone. I said, poor little fella. I turned around and started weeping, turned away. And just like somebody put his hand on me like that. I looked around to see who it was and there was nobody standing there. I started to walk on and I just couldn't make my steps. The Holy Spirit, you see, it didn't warn me, but that shock was coming, you see. I'd have missed it all together if it hadn't been a vision. So then I turned around. I looked back at that child again. I said, take that off his face. They took it off his face. And I said, I, I've seen that boy somewhere. I said, it looks like I've I seen him. I said, ask. We had about 15 ministers with us. I said, Sister Eisen, ask those ministers if he belongs to their church. She spoke to him and finished. No. I said, has he been in the prayer line? No. I said, something I, I know I've, I've missed seeing. That, that little boy, I've seen him somewhere. I said, it looks like that. And just then, it began to come to me. I've seen that little funny haircut, that little brown eyes, set, that poorly dress, that foot run through that sock. I said, I know him. I said, Brother Moore, look in your Bible. Brother Lindsay said, what do you mean? I said, back on a fly leaf. I said, that's that little boy that I've seen two years ago in that vision. See them rocky country there and them pine trees? Oh, my. All devils out of hell and all these forces can't stop it then. The time's there. That's the spoken word of God ready to come to pass. Nothing can stop it. And he got the little boy and the lady in the left there. I said, now you watch. I said, this little boy will be alive again in a few minutes. I knelt down. I said, Heavenly Father, way over in the homelands in America, when you spoke to me one night in the vision, said this little boy, here it is, just exactly the way you said it. Then, Lord, here is the prayer of your servant. I said, death, in the name of the Lord Jesus, according to the vision he gave me in America, give back the life to this boy. The little boy raised up normal and well. This is normal as he could be without a broken place on his body anywhere. I told that story right here in this, uh, this tabernacle. How many remembers me saying that before I left this, before I left to go over there? That, that would come to pass, see? And then it did. I don't have time to finish it. One little instant just before her, I told her, because it was getting late. I don't want to take too much of your time. I want to pray for you. And after that got scattered, I tell you the next night, two or three city blocks. You couldn't even get around the place for the people. They had the soldiers out there. When that was noise abroad, tomorrow night I'll get the results of the other little boy that was taken to the hospital. But this, I'll never forget that night when you try and take me into the line. Those sins had seen God moving. That was all, oh, they were just thrilled. And I started in the line with some soldiers pushing me. Two in front and two in the back, and the people stand there. They just stand like that, and the tears just roll down their cheeks when you pass by. Oh my! Oh, Christian Americans! Mm. I wonder sometimes. Then them standing there, some of them Russians that could cross the line. When you're born in Russia, you can only go 40 miles from your birthplace, or have to have a visa. And some of those Russians stand there, they stand there and they see the glory of God. The tears just roll down their cheeks like that. 
and they'd run to those sins and those sins and put their arms around the Russians and hug one another. There's the answer. Any power of Almighty God that'll let a, a, a Russian hug a Finn or a Finn hug a Russian. See, they wasn't angry at one another. They didn't have to. They wasn't angry. They love one another. And Christ is the answer now. Let people quit their meanness and serve Christ, but they'll never do it as long as this kingdoms are the kingdoms of Satan. They'll never be. They'll fight until Jesus comes. Don't you believe that? What's the matter? Is the little boy or child got sick or something up there? Take me now. I've seen him leaving with a little boy. I thought maybe he had gotten sick or something. All right. Notice, going in that night, they were pushing me along, and one of the, the people, I started through a little room there, and, and the, the door of the ladies' restroom opened, and a poor little thin stepped out there, a little girl. I never seen such a look inside. And she looked at me, bowed her little head like that. I just stood still, and the soldier just started pushing me on, and I shut my head, no. The other two went on to in front of me to go open the door. And I knew she wanted to talk to me. I looked at her. She had a big brace around her like this, a big metal brace, and one leg was shorter than the other, and it was limp, just hanging loose on the inside of the braces that run down on a big high-built shoe that had a, a place in the toe here that come up, a strap went over her shoulder and hooked in the back of this big brace. And when this leg was here, when she would let her weight down, it would hit on this brace, you see, and she had two crutches, and she'd set her crutches out like this, and she'd throw her little shoulder, and that would pull that limb out, and she'd make her step like that as she pulled out. She's just about this high, and a poor little deer, her little skirt's ragged. I found out later on she's a little war orphan. Her mother and dad were killed in the war. And there she was in that condition. And she looked at me and, and she bowed her little head. She thought she'd done something wrong when she'd come out like that. And she looked up at me so pathetic and dropped her little head. I, I motioned to her. And uh, they'd give me some of that old money they had. And all life would all get in the auditorium. I'd slip out and and get that candy, you know, and give to them little kitties. And I had a string of city blocks along far of me. And the little things, little girls, they'd pull their little skirts out like this and say, Ketus, thank you, you know. Ketus means thank you. And she'd they'd pull their little skirts out like that and thank me, you know, for the candy. And I'd go on down and see another bunch, and I had a lot of that old money, you know. I just would get in all I could do. I just love little old kitties anyhow. I'd water them. And um, so then I... Uh, for, never forget this. She'd come over to me, putting her little crutches out like this, and she'd walk, and she'd put her little crutches out and walk again. And she got right up to where I was, like that. I just thought I'd just stand still and see what she's going to do. Childlike, about 10, 11 years old. And she got up to where I was, and she picked up my coat like this, just put it in her little hand, raised it up, and kissed me on the coat pocket dropped it back down. I looked up at her, or she looked up at me rather, and I looked down to her, and she had a little blonde hair and them little baby blue eyes. She looked up, her little lips was quivering, the tears dropping off her little cheeks. She pulled her little crutches out like this, and she pulled her little skirt. She said, Jesus. 
thank you for letting her. Oh, my, it looked like my heart was bigger than I was. I looked out there and I saw a vision of that child going walking away without her crutches. I said, darling, I can't make you understand me. I said, you're healed, honey. It, uh, Jesus makes it. And the soldier kept pushing me on like that, you know. And I got on in. We had a meeting. And then I called out a bunch of prayer cards. And, and we was praying and, and uh, getting the people uh, through the line. And after a while, I, Howard, my brother, he comes to time to leave. I said, well, let's call just four or five more. And so there had been such a marvelous thing done. So many had been healed. And the in God's wise providence, when I called for the next number of lines, I heard something rattle, and she had the next prayer card coming to the platform. Oh, what a feeling. There she comes. And I said, Sister Isaacson, come near. Just quote my words now. And so the little girl come up to me just so happy. You know, I said, Sweetheart, you're the little girl that met me out there in the hall. And then Mrs. Isaacson, of course, talking, you know, giving the interpretation. She, and then she knew it was. I said, Jesus heals you, honey. Your respect for his son out there and for his servant, for the angel of the Lord. I said, your deep reverence and respect heals you, honey. I said, you're well. Now, you have some of them to go over there and take those braces off of you. And when you're taking that off, hold your hands on your hip this. And as you pull the braces off, let your little hand slide just about the distance that your leg is sharp. Come back and show me. So I went on call the next one. And we're standing there, and the angel of the Lord came down. We're showing him what was wrong. And then just about that time, I heard a noise. Now look, here she comes running across the platform, the braces and crutches above her head, stomping her little feet up the steps in the auditorium. She went back down just as hard as she could go. Oh, I think amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. It was grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first see. That's our Heavenly Father. Some glorious day when life is finished, the last prayer meeting is held. The great day comes when the church rises in victory and triumph, goes up to meet the Lord in the air. And we be crowning the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh God, I'd like to walk out on my little porch door somewhere up there. Look coming up the road, see Him, Lord, coming just head around the porch. We get each other by the hand and walk down to the sea of life. No hurry. There's no more prayer meetings. You don't have to rush from here to there. Talk over with these thousands of dear people, Lord, that receive thy grace and be healed. Now, Father, not think of that poor little ragged thing. Walk in the streets with her crutches. No doubt many times her little dirty hands ringing in her eyes, crying for a piece of bread. Here we throw plenty out in the garbage can that would take care of her. 
have mercy, dear God. Come, glorious day, Jesus will come. We're just about to go into the dark land down yonder beneath the earth. For them lepers will be sitting at the gate. Poor little dark children living off a pad of animals and whatever they can get. Help, dear Father. And now tonight here in this great mammoth city where the wealth of the world almost lay towering buildings like great canyons as we walk through the streets. But someday up through the we'll see the Son of God walk out there and say, Time shall be no more. Then the earth quakes and there won't be one stone left upon another. Oh, to thank Lord if we'll go home, man, it's all over. That glorious event. While we're here tonight proclaiming in our humble way the best that we know how, the redeeming love of Christ who came from glory all the way down here, gave himself an innocent substitute for we guilty sinners, and his blood tonight pleads for our sins. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Lord, look tonight upon this sick bunch of people. Some of them are here with cancer, heart trouble, and diseases that's going to kill them right away. They can't live, Lord. Let you help them. Doctors just give them up. Oh, God, have mercy and heal them. Also, there are the cripples sitting here. They may live a normal lifetime, Lord, but they're prisoners. Help them to receive tonight. They may be healed, too. And may that worst prisoner there is in the building, that sinner, far off, prisoner of hope, like an eagle that would beat his wings till his weary eyes would fall back in the cage he's captured. He's a heavenly bird, soars high in the air, and here he is caged up, looking up to the heavens for where he wants to be and be free. Then the scene falls back exhausted from beating his wings. That's a horrible sight, but oh, what a much greater horrible sight it is to look down these streets tonight and see men and women who are created to be sons and daughters of God. To see them running into booze joints and honky-tonks, beating their head and wings against the bars trying to find relief when they ought to be soaring into heaven by the Holy Spirit. Oh, what prisoners are. May something be done tonight that will cause them to look up and say, Lord Jesus, unlock this prison. Let me spread forth my wings. Fly away from this place. Grant it, Lord. May every person in here that's bound but sense-bound existence, only trusting on what they can see, hear, taste, feel, or smell, may they fall away from that tonight. Go up into the realms of the higher. May this church literally rock with the power of God. Now, and the Holy Spirit, may every angel that you've ordained to be at this meeting tonight take his place now. 
standing by the sick and the afflicted, by the sinner, by the skeptic. Lord, send the angel to be thy servant and proclaim these things that I have spoken to be true. That they'll know it don't come from a man, it comes from God. Hear me, Father, hear me. For I ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. What he is, what friend, if he turns me down that day and tells me, say, William Brandon, you can't come in. If there is such a thing as having this, and I have to go away to the lower regions of the law, I, I, I believe that that love that's anchored in my heart will live on there. I'll look up and say, I love you, Lord Jesus, just the same. Or if there was no heaven to go to, I'd still make my choice to serve the Lord Jesus. Or even what remunerations there is here on earth from his blessings, I still long to serve I want everybody to be reverent. I want you to enter right in now to the spiritual realm. I want you to believe and pray and hold with me now while I'm here. This is a church house. The meetings are to raise up into this place now to work be far beyond the other places. You people up there, you pray up there in that audience. Believe God. Believe that God will move up into them balconies up there tonight. Back in there. Down through this way. Over the audience everywhere. And just to shroud this building. I believe he'll do it. I believe he will. Now here he's more willing to do it than you are to receive it. Could you imagine his Brother Bosworth's expression to this ocean out here piled up in one tube about two foot high or two foot across? What a pressure there would be trying to find one little crevice to leap through. Now divide that by 10,000 times and you'll find the pressure of the Holy Spirit trying to find that little crevice in the heart that true faith can reach into there and to heal you. How will glorify the Father for the death of the Son of God? And I'll give you look. And don't just don't say it. Mean it. See? And then start praying. Now that's your that's your testimony. Then start praying until the appropriated faith has entered your heart. And when your when the faith has entered into your heart, then God will pull me from here to you. And if I told you out there your conditions and what was wrong with you and what God had done and what he would do, would you believe it? You'd have to if it was the truth, wouldn't you? Then if the Holy Spirit come down and told me to tell you, well, if I say, go on your road, the Lord bless you, I don't know what will happen. There's nothing happening. But when I speak to you saying, the Lord Jesus hath now, thus saith the Lord, made you whole, you're healed. I don't care what condition you've been in. Watch what happens then. And whatever you're told to do, go do it. No matter what it is, you go do it. Here a few days ago, a lady was told she was in a dying condition. And horrible at that. And so she was... I said, now you go. And told her what had happened. She's quivering. And she said, yes, yes, sir, yes, yes, sir. I said, look. Now, at a... 
about three days from now, you're going to be crossing the street, and a little newsboy's going to hit you and almost knock you down. You're going to be very provoked at it at first. You're going to turn around and try to, and you'll look up, and there's going to be a big clock and a tower striking 12 o'clock. I said, when that happens, you know I've told you the truth, and your cancer, you're going to have some time with it, but you're going to get well. And it's just exactly that way. The woman's well on the road to recovery now. Doctor can't find no more of the cancer. So now, now be reverent. Now, I can do nothing in myself, but it's what the Holy Spirit speaks that can I do. How many understand that now? That can I do when the Holy Spirit says do it. Now, if the organist, pianist, or the organ, or whatever you wish, either one, I want you softly, if you can, that glorious song, Only Believe. <laughs> Paul Rader wrote that song not long ago in California when he was going home to meet Jesus. He called for his brother Luke. He said, Luke, We've been through a many a tough fight together, but said, parting time is near at hand, Luke. He said, but think of it. In five minutes from now, I'll be standing in the presence of Jesus Christ, clothed in his righteousness, clothed his eyes, and went out to me. That's the way I want to go. And he died with a harness on me. Yes, sir. I want to go like, like one of the brethren of old, one of the gallant heroes of God, die preaching the gospel. I believe it. I've lived by it. I want to die. God be blessed now while we bow. Dear Father, come near, I pray. Help thou thy humble servant this time. I might know thy divine will and might be able to comfort thy people. And may the angel of God who met me that night in the room, Lord, he never said his name, but you know who it was. He claimed he was sent from you. And now may he come near and minister to these people through your humble servant. For I ask it in the name of thy son, Jesus. Amen. I'm just a little late. I always like to close the service for 10 if possible. Now, if you'll be real reverent now, everybody be talking up to God, praying, believing with all your heart. God will bring it to pass. Don't you believe that? I just reverently, while I'm speaking with the sister, of course, first, you've got to contact her spirit. See? She is a spirit. I am a spirit. And we've got to contact each other. I want you back in here to believe with all your heart. Mother, this is sure a lovely tabernacle, isn't it? You're just a little bit nervous, you see. I just want to talk to you just a moment. Don't be excited. Now, 
We are our strangers. I don't know you. I don't believe I've ever seen you in all my life. But we're, we're strangers, and we, we're here trying to... I am trying to be God's servant, to do something with the gift of God that would help you to believe God. You understand that? And if I can do that by God's divine gift, I will feel then as much has been accomplished. Now you're you're suffering or sick, and of course Jesus healed you back 1900 years ago, but it'll. It'll have to be something to quicken your faith to bring you up into that place to where you can accept it. Now, many read on the Bible here and they say, yes, the Lord said this. Now, that's the word of the Lord, isn't it? That's the word of the Lord. Now, that is to the masses and multitudes. It's God's word, and we must believe that because it is God's word. Then, that's to the multitudes. Now, then if he should... Take me as his servant, and now he never spoke this directly to you, but it's just the same as directly to you. But he never said Mrs. So-and-so at a certain age and a certain time, but then he has uh, prophetic gifts that he sent into his church in these last days to stimulate the faith of the people. Then if he should speak through me, that would be secondarily but it would be his word just the same. Now, to doubt this written word would be sin. And to doubt his spoken word would be sin. Now, you must be prepared, and all you in the prayer line, to believe. And if you do not believe, I just step out of the line, because be it assured, you'd be worse off than you ever was in all your life. See? Or he said, go in, what no more? That's disbelief. Unbelief is sin. Go and sin no more. Let the worst thing come up on you. He wasn't talking about some of your moral acts. He was talking about your unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already. See? See, it's your unbelief is what condemns you. God don't send you to hell because you're a sinner. He sends you to hell because you reject your provision made for heaven. See? You just reject that. You don't have to do a thing to go to hell. Only thing you do is just reject Jesus. Just fail to believe his word. That's all you have to do. See, Satan has always put a question mark across that. But that is just the of the Lord. I guess you wonder why I'm starving. See? I can feel that impact of faith moving. Just be reverent as it's getting near me. Now the angel of the Lord is coming near this platform right now. I can feel it moving down. It's coming from this side here, right this way. Right down this way. Now be reverent. I trust that before the services are closed, he'll appear visibly. Now he will before certain people. Sometimes it's before masses and multitudes. But you remember the, the wise man, what did they see and they followed to Jesus? Nobody else saw it. 
It passed right over the observatory, every planetarium, is that right? And every city had a planetarium. They kept time to the stars, is that right? And isn't it strange that them wise men went right through city after city, city after city, following a star that even the stargazers and the men in the planetarium and telling the time they never saw nothing of it? They were looking for it. That's where it's at. You get what you expect. Now, little mother, I want to speak to you just a second now again. You're aware that something's going on. That's just annoying. Just moving in. Now, if this audience that they might see, and a woman of your age would have no right to say anything wrong, but what would be true? Now, there's a feeling that's moving to you now. Warm, welcome, sweet, glory. isn't that right? If it is, raise up your hand. I see the, the angel of the Lord is at the platform now, and your faith is beginning to pull him this away. It's a little bit hard because the audience here, this impact sitting right against me this way, moving down with faith up there and moving, you see, which is causing a little interference for that. That's all I see. It's, it's just like a radio dial. It's just everywhere. But you are, you're, you're suffering with some kind of a, it's in the lower organ. I see an examination of something going on there. It's in the bladder, isn't it? It's the bladder. It's a, it's a cancer, mother, on the bladder. You have other ailments too, don't you? Heart trouble, and, isn't that right? Mother a whole lot. I see you trying to get your breath catching like that. You do that much, don't you? Wearing kind of a light, checkered-looking dress when you were doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no. All right. You, you're, you're a stranger here, dear. You're not from this, this place, are you? No. You come from Pennsylvania, didn't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little city, a lot of trees and things around. Isn't that true? Right. Mother, come here. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray thee to be merciful to our dear sister, to heal her of this hideous demon that's trying to take her life. May it leave her and never return. May this great pressure against her poor heart Grant, Lord, and she'll have many more happy days. Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come out from the woman. We curse thee as Christian believers in the name of the Lord Jesus that you depart from this woman going out of darkness and bother her no more. Now, just a moment. Yes, Mother dear. It has left you now. You go back to Pennsylvania and you rejoice 
I see another. The city you're from again starts with a P, too, doesn't it? Yes. That's right. How do I keep going on? Let us say, praise be to God, to our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the victory now. We have now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We have believed this report, and we are in Christ Jesus, and therefore there is no condemnation. God is working. As you get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mighty love and for your mercies which are new every morning. We see, Lord, you bringing judgment upon the prophets of Baal and slaying every single one. Father, help us, Lord, to have no sympathy for evil and for anything contrary to your word, but to slay every single one of those devils and those demons with the sword that has two edges. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. Elijah cried upon the hill, Why do you wonder still? If your God is a God that's true If you cry then surely he will answer you So build your altar for sin Build it for the gods of men Fill all your vessels with the water high Pour out your vessels till they all run dry Then call upon them Petition for the flames Let's see which God who is a liar And see who answers back with fire Skin. Repent from all your sin There is someone coming who is after me He's standing here among you and you cannot see But when he comes I'll know He'll answer, He'll answer here below The one I see the dove desire We'll baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. God who answers the God.
drunk, you see Cause we've been drinking something super naturally The prophet told you so That when he'd come you'd know The one who fills your heart's desire Will fill you with the Holy Ghost and fire Go all the way You say your gods will save you Well, that may be true But if your gods are God Then they must answer you So fill your altar for sin Build it for the gods of men Pour on your grape juice Well, that's fine for you My God has a taste for wine That's new Now Call upon their names Petition for the flames But the God who bid you come up higher Must answer with a Holy Ghost and fire The God who answers back The God who answers back The God who answers with the Holy Fire The God who answers back The God who answers with the Holy Ghost and fire. The God who answers back. The God who answers back. The God who answers with the Holy Fire. Answers back. The God who answers with the Holy Ghost and fire. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their hearts back to sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and lift up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. 